You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You can start today getting off the bottle and moving forward and maturing. And you'll never, ever regret when you start to develop those spiritual muscles. You'll never, ever regret the sacrifice and the discipline that it took to finally be on your way to maturity. Don't get stuck in the infant state of Christianity. Jesus has so much more in store for you, and he wants you to embrace his word and develop your Christian maturity. Pastor Danny challenges you today to grow wiser in the word of God. He encourages you to study the Bible regularly and to put into practice the things that you learn from it. In doing this, you'll begin to grow into a Christian with a strong faith who's truly willing to put all things on the line for Jesus. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews as he continues his message, The New Covenant. But as great as he is, the creator, come in human form. He came in human form. That's chapter 2. Look at verse 14, chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. He's human. So that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Pause there for just a minute. Man, you see fear all over the place with this COVID thing. People are afraid. They're not just afraid of getting sick. They're afraid of dying. Jesus is the answer. Jesus has gone the path before us to show us the way. He's tasted death for everyone. And then he resurrected from the dead. Dead, death could not hold him. Somebody said, you can't keep a good man down. Remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus, good teacher, tell me what I must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good, and that's God. Ooh, there's a clue. You're talking to God. Can't keep a good man down. He's God, come in the flesh. But listen, he's come in the flesh to be our faithful high priest. You read on here, chapter 2, verse 16. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, human beings. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Catch this. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. I don't know if you appreciate that. What is he saying? He's saying he's our Michael Jordan. You want to know how to shoot the shot. You want to know how to make the move. You want to know how to win the game. 
against temptation. Jesus is the answer. He's been tempted in every way, and he's come out victorious. You want to know how to have victory over temptation? Go to Jesus. Man, you're getting me excited. He's greater than the angels, but he's absolutely 100% human. But then, then a hurdle that was tough to get over is chapter 3 if you're Jewish. Because now he tells us in chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. That makes sense. That's hard, though, for the Jewish people. It was hard for those who received Jesus as Lord and Savior, the early church, to give up some things connected with Moses. They wanted to hang on to it. And so Jesus has got to be greater than the angels, but he's 100% human. Then chapter 3, he's greater than Moses. Then you get to chapters 4 and 5. And chapters 4 and 5 are all about spiritual growth. And right in the heart of it is the key to spiritual growth. Let me read it. Chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Jesus, when he came in his first coming, said, it's not what's outside of a man that goes in that defiles him. It's what's inside. Because out of the heart proceed, and he listed all these sins. That's our problem. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Decisions you and I make every day is because of the condition of your heart. You cheat on your wife, is because something's wrong with your heart. You cheat on your taxes, it's because there's something wrong with your heart. You say GD, JC, and it ain't to glorify God, it's because something's wrong with your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's the problem. It's the heart. And catch verse 13 of chapter 4. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. What's he talking about? Everything, but especially your heart. Everything's uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You can come to church and say, praise the Lord, and inside something's wrong. And you, you say it in front of your Christian brothers and sisters, and they think, oh, yeah, they're doing fine. And God knows something wrong in your heart. And the key to spiritual growth, the key to spiritual growth, guess what? It's the Word of God. Now, I know some of us have heard it until that we've heard it. We've heard it over and over and over and over again. Guess what? You got to hear it again. You show me somebody growing spiritually, I'll show you somebody who, first and foremost, first and foremost, has recognized acknowledged and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the starting point. That's the starting point. And it's not because your mom knows Jesus. You don't know Jesus because your mom does. You got to receive him personally. And it's way beyond religion. That's the whole thing. It's Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Have you been born again? Have you recognized and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the starting point. But then once you've really been born again, you've been saved as the Bible calls it. You know Jesus is Lord and Savior. For you to grow spiritually, John, John the Apostle in Revelation 19 verse 13 sees Jesus in his second coming. He's riding the white horse. 
He's wearing a robe that's dipped in blood, representing his sacrifice. And it says, his name, listen to this. John tells us, he sees him and he says, his name is the Word of God. That's his name. Oh, yeah, he's Jesus the Christ. But John tells us, look, his name is the Word of God. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. As mysterious as it is, listen, every single page, every single page, he's on it. Every single word, he's in it. He's the Word of God. You want to grow spiritually? Jesus is the foundation. You've got to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've got to be born again. And then if you're going to grow spiritually, the Word, the Word, the Word, Jesus, the Word, Jesus, the Word, Jesus, the Word, that's it. It's simple, but it's profound. The more Word, the more Word you fill your life with, the more Jesus will fill your life. You want more of Jesus? Get more of the Word. Listen. I wish I could make everybody do it, but that's not the way God does things. I wish I could force you into God's gym and say, would you just, would you just discipline yourself? Jairus talked last week about self-control. Listen, take self-control. Take self-control to grow spiritually. If you want to change your physique, you know, Cameron last weekend in the service was lifting, you know, and you go, you go, man, whoa, he looks good. So I'd like to look like that. Well, wouldn't everybody? But you know what we want to do is take a pill. Take a pill, get up. Wow! <laughs> it don't work like that. Man, it takes sweat. It takes sacrifice. You got to give the time to it. You got to discipline yourself. You got to lift the weights. And you probably need somebody to help you so you don't hurt yourself. You know how to do it. How, you know? And so you go through this training, this training. But if you really want to get in shape physically, you know, if you really want to look good, Feel good. You know, you want to get in shape. It takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes time. But you know, if, you, if you've ever been there, if you've ever been there, and you remember when somebody looked at you one day and says, hey, are you working out? And you begin to tighten it up a little bit. You know, you know, well, it shows, huh? You notice? You go, yeah, man, you're looking good. You go, Thank you. And, but it took discipline. Listen. It takes the same kind of discipline to grow spiritually. Sometimes we must quote what Paul said, that bodily exercise profits a little. It doesn't say it doesn't profit. Sometimes you say bodily exercise doesn't profit. That's a cop-out. It says bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness, godliness and spiritual training has value not only for this life, but for the one to come. And which is more important? The spiritual discipline. Listen, I want to discipline myself physically. I still try to work out. I'll never look like Cameron until I get to heaven. I'll never look like Cameron in this life. But I still try to discipline my body. But even more important than discipline in my body is disciplining myself spiritually. And you know what I did yesterday morning? And I look, I need much less pats on the back these days. I still need it. I'm still human. But I'm old enough now that, you know, I've been going a long time here. But, you know, you know what I did? I got up and I decided I'm just going to read the book of Hebrews. Not to teach it, 
I didn't want to read it. I'd already studied. I'd already got my notes pretty much together, you know, and I was going to work on those. But I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to read the book of Hebrews. Sometimes we need to look up the Greek words or the Hebrew words, and sometimes we need to pick it apart, and that has its place. But other times, you know what? Forget the Greek and the Hebrew and just pick it up and just read it and let your soul be fed. And that's what I did yesterday morning. It took 30 minutes. I just wanted to see how long it would take. I didn't do it to time it, but I did time it. It only took 30 minutes. 30 minutes. You think about 30 minutes in the gym. You do 30 minutes in the gym on a regular basis, it's going to make a difference in your life. Listen, get into this book 30 minutes a day, it'll make a difference in your life. You say, you're getting all worked up about this because I want you to grow. I want you to grow spiritually. I want to grow spiritually. Guess what chapter 6 is? a rebuke. It actually starts at the end of chapter 5. Here's what he says. End of chapter 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Translated another way, you're just a baby and you never growed up spiritually. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainting with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And then here's what he says in verse 12 of chapter 6. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. We don't want you to become lazy. I think that's a word for some of us. I don't know who it is. I don't have anybody in my mind. God didn't send me a postcard and say, hey, look right at them Sunday morning, you know, and talk to them. You know. Truth is, there are some Christians, lots of Christians probably, that by this time they ought to be mature. But they've been sucking on a bottle, not willing to give themselves the discipline, the discipline in life to really take those steps to grow spiritually. But you can start today getting off the bottle and moving forward and maturing. And you'll never, ever regret when you start to develop those spiritual muscles. You'll never, ever regret the sacrifice and the discipline that it took to finally be on your way to maturity. It's a needed rebuke. It's a needed exhortation. When you read it as a whole, you see how wonderfully God laid this whole book out. Every chapter is right where it ought to be. You know what comes after the rebuke and the exhortation? Chapter 7, you know what it is? Jesus is praying for you. Just when all of a sudden you got hit in the face, oh yeah, that's me, lazy, not really willing to give myself, not really sacrificing to grow spiritually, still sucking on a bottle when I ought to be more mature, and then you go, oh, it hurts. And then, then, but Jesus is praying for you. God's not against you. Those whom I love, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Every time I... Think of this one where it tells us that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Chapter 7, verse 25. I hear Jesus saying to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He wants to take you down. 
And he did for a period of time. Three times Peter even denied having a relationship with Jesus. But I prayed for you, Peter. When you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is praying for you. Then you get chapters 8 and 9, and it's the superiority of the new covenant. And if we weren't doing just an overview, we'd spend a lot of time here when we got to chapters 8 and 9. But we are not doing that today. So I had eight points on the superiority of the new covenant over the old. Obviously, we can't cover all those. So I broke it down to three real quick ones. The old covenant, there was a righteousness you could never attain. You try, 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 give it your best effort, and you'd never attain it. And all of a sudden, you realize Jesus is the answer. Jesus did what I could never do. Jesus paid the price for me, and he shed his blood, and he sacrificed his body. And if I'll just put my trust and faith in him, all of a sudden, he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And it's righteousness simply by faith and trusting him as Lord and Savior. If the Jewish audience would stop and think, they'd realize that old covenant, man, it was so exclusive. For example, you come before God and you come to try to get close to God and he's there at the temple, you know, and he's there in the Holy of Holies and, and you, could never, you could never see him. You could never go in, talk to him. You'd have somebody else to, you tell them to tell him. But only one guy got to go into the very Holy of Holies. That was the high priest. He went in once a year, just long enough to lay the blood on the mercy seat. Then he'd skedaddle out of there so that the holiness of God wouldn't strike him dead. If you were a woman, oh, we got a place for you over in the court of women. You can't even get where the men get. And the normal man can't get where the Levite can get. And the Levite can't get where the priest can get. And the priest can't get where the high priest can get. It was so exclusive. It was so tiered. Some people got closer than other people. And it just didn't seem fair. And now the new covenant comes along. And Hebrews chapter 8 verse 11 says, From the least to the greatest, whosoever will, come on in. Equal access. You can just come on in and you can come right up to the face of God and he is say, come on, I want to have a relationship with you. And I got a great future plan for you. It's all inclusive. We got to hurry. And then chapter 10. I call chapter 10 the climax and the call to persevere. And the climax is where he just kind of lays it all out. The law is a shadow of the good things that are coming and have come, and the reality is Christ. And then he says in verse 17, then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I'll remember no more. What a wonderful statement. My wife remembers all my lawless acts. My wife remembers all my sin. And God says, listen, the new covenant, their sins and lawless acts I'll remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there's no longer any sacrifice for sin. <laughs> what? There's nothing I need to do. No effort. No, 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 no act of righteousness. No, no, nothing I need to achieve. It's all done. It's done. Now I just need to continue to have faith and live for Jesus and grow spiritually in Jesus. We're striving not for righteousness now. We're striving from righteousness. Big difference. We're not striving for righteousness. We're striving from righteousness. Whew. 
I thought somebody might get excited about that one. But I'm sure you are excited inside. Then you get to chapter 11. Chapter 11 I call game time. Chapter 11 is so exciting because it's a stadium. It's a heavenly stadium. And the heavenly stadium is filled with all these saints that have gone before. Here's David over here. And David is there to watch me run. And over here, there's, there's, there's Moses. Moses. Oh, and there's Gideon. You know, the guy with the trumpet and the small army that defeated an innumerable army. And then, oh, man, over here, there's there's all these great men and women, these saints of history, and they're looking down, and they're looking at us because now it's our turn. And they're there to encourage us. They're like the mom and dad in the stands when you're there to run the track meet. And they're, come on, Danny, come on, Danny. Oh, you give it, you come on, Danny. And you feel like quitting, and they're yelling and saying, no, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Sometimes you hear David say, hey, watch out when you're out on the balcony at night. Watch out what you might see. And you see that woman? No, stay away from her. I'm telling you, she's trouble. And you hear Samson. Samson, he's up there. And he says, listen, God used me as a powerful, powerful instrument for 20 years, but I had secret sin in my life. And all those 20 years, I was keeping things hidden, and I was doing things that God wasn't pleased with. And finally, he got fed up. And finally, he was patient for 20 years, and he continued to use me. But then, all of a sudden, one day, I went out and thought the power of God was still going to be on my life, and he took it away. And Samson's going, listen, would you learn from my mistakes? And David's going, would you learn from mine? And the wonderful thing is, if you've already made those mistakes... They're saying, look, get up, get up, and get back in the game, and get back in the race, because God is full of grace, and he's full of mercy. And every morning, every morning, his mercies are fresh and new. Every morning is grace. He's waiting to pour out grace and mercy. Because Jesus did it all, and now he gives you the privilege of following him and running the race with him leading the way. Some in Hebrews 11 got a tremendous miracle. Some waited for the miracle, prayed for the miracle, and never got it. And it ends by saying all of these were commended for their faith. No matter what situation in life you're in, you got your miracle, you didn't get your miracle, you made a blunder, you didn't make a blunder. If you made the blunder, get forgiveness, get back up. You didn't get your miracle, trust God anyway. Keep moving in faith. You got your miracle last time, Maybe you'll get it next time. Maybe you won't. Whatever your situation is, faith, 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 faith is the subject. Jesus is the object. The writer tells us there, fix your eyes on Jesus. And that's chapters 12 and 13. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And you get those last couple of chapters, and it's like message after message after message. It's just these, I call them short shots, short shots of encouragement. Things like endure discipline, endure hardship as discipline, live a life of grace, don't let bitterness bite you, keep your head in the clouds, keep on loving each other, honor marriage, keep your life sexually pure. Watch out for the love of money, live a life of praise, do good, share with others, obey your leaders, stay in submission. And just keep on doing those things day after day. And keep on living the life. And keep on following Jesus. Only one life.
will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join us in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? Prayer is such a powerful tool against the enemy, and there's much to pray about during these days of speculation, doubt, and fear. Perhaps there's a listener who's really wrestling with all of the uncertainties, and your prayers could be a way to minister to their heart and mind, renewing their faith along the way. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. We're reminded in these New Testament books that God came to earth as a man, just like us, and suffered in ways that we might be suffering currently. But He came to redeem each one of us, and that gives hope beyond what's happening in front of you. Thanks for praying. With that, we've come to the end of our time today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued teaching through this series called New Testament Highlights. We hope you'll tune in again, right here on The Living Word.